Welcome to Wielding Legacy. My name is Laura Payne Stanley, and this is your weekly audio insight because the key to unlocking your future lies in legacies. As I said, this is an audio insight, and it's one for high achievers, for visionaries, for empire builders, and for power couples. You see, I know that you are here, already creating an impact in your industry. You are here building a legacy for you and your family. And it drives you, it occupies your mind. But through my work as a trusted advisor to extraordinary entrepreneurs, I know you aren't yet reaching your greatest potential in your business, your performance, and in your relationships. Now I'm known with my clients, I am one of their loudest cheerleaders, believing in them often before they do. And yet you can't enroll me in your legacy limiting story. I'm your biggest empowering challenger as well as you create your ultimate legacy. So this audio insight is called Wielding Legacy because as I said, the key to unlocking your future lies in legacies. Imposter syndrome and self-doubt. It's really common for successful people to experience imposter syndrome and self-doubt. You know, you probably have seen this in mass media with the likes of Tina Fey or Sheryl Sandberg. They've all come out publicly and said at times they felt like they were a fraud. And a review article in the International Journal of Behavioral Science puts that figure at an estimated 70% of people, 70% who experienced that imposter syndrome phenomenon at some point in their lives. So, if you're listening to me today on Wielding Legacy, know that you are not alone. But if we know that the feeling of imposter syndrome is common, what I also want you to know is this, that it isn't experiencing imposter syndrome that's the problem, it's how we actually recognize and deal with it that has the biggest impact on our outcomes. And there's a brilliant quote by Nathaniel Braden, of all the judgments we pass in life, None is more important than the judgment we pass on ourselves. How true is this? You know, so often we can be worried about what other people are thinking of us, but it's not actually what other people think of us, it's what we perceive other people are thinking about us. Now, we've talked before about stories and how we have them for time and money and success and love. We have all these narratives that we've created. Well, one of those stories can also be around ourselves in the context of other people. So a really commonly held story that you could be running is when you feel like an imposter or when you feel like a fraud, whichever language you're using, everyone is better than me. I'm not as good as people think I am and I'm going to be found out. Someone's going to call me out on I'm in the wrong room. I'm not as good as I think I am or I'm a fraud. And there are certain symptoms that can be quite classic, let's say, in imposter syndrome. And you may or may not recognize a few of these. So you may attribute your achievements or success to luck, to being in the right place at the right time. Or you might be having an inability to internalize your accomplishments. So if someone said to you, what have you achieved? You just, you struggle to connect with those accomplishments. You may feel that people around you um, think that you are better than you are. So they think you've got an overinflated self of your skill level. You may be completely freaked out and scared of being found out. You are terrified that someone's going to call you a fraud, that you are you doing? Who are you to charge that? 
you may or may not believe that you're that whatever work you do it doesn't matter which industry that you it isn't difficult and therefore you're reducing the value in it because to you it's just really easy something's just just no one would pay for this would they but they would but to you it's just super easy you focus more on what you can't do than valuing valuing why you and your skills are awesome so do you focus on all those things that you aren't a master at so while the master syndrome has symptoms it's not recognized by many medical professionals as a mental health condition but it is accepted as a clinical concept by clients and eames in 1978 so there is hope there that more experts more medical professionals will see imposter syndrome and the kind of i want to say as a medical condition but it's linked to so many other things but it's how we can treat this experience and that's the key here because imposter syndrome is closely linked with perfectionism in a way that you think that you're good enough or you never feel that you are good enough however there's something that you should know because if you're listening with me here today hi by the way friend you may be thinking some of this resonates but actually i kind of like it and so why would that be well for some people who experience imposter syndrome who are hugely successful their imposter syndrome has actually been a catalyst and a part of their success because it's pushed them even harder to hide their insecurities which again brings around more success so you could be knowing that you've got this, but also not wanting to let it go because you're like, but that's my motivation. Don't take it away from me, LPS. But it also then brings around more stress and even more success, which brings around even more success and more imposter syndrome. Can you kind of see the cycle that we're going on here? So if that is you and imposter syndrome has actually served you positively to have the success that you've got, is it sustainable? Can you see this cycle keeping on going? Or are you ready to get off this now and to change your thinking? Because we need to redirect to why you are good, why you are good enough, why you are great, actually, why you are awesome. So I want you to take some time and sit down and think about your strengths and your positive qualities. Now, I know when I do this work with my one-to-one clients, my masterminders as well, my group coaching clients, there's some people feel resistance. They're like, give me another task. I want to do another task. What I don't want to do is write down what I'm good at. So I want you to imagine a compliment as a gift. Would you reject it if I gave you a present? So say right now, I'm going to send you a present. Would you say, no, thank you. I don't want that present. I'm not going to tell you what it is. It's exactly what you would love for me to send you. You're going to say, no, I don't want it. A compliment is just a present, it's just a gift. So why would you reject the compliment? And you're rejecting it and you're not accepting the energy. So how do you reject a compliment? Well, most people don't actually reject it. What they do is they foul it off to the side. So if we accepted the energy of a compliment, you would say thank you. Two words, end of conversation. Thank you or thank you so much. Done. How you start fouling off to the side is thank you, but, or someone might say congratulations on something. You say, thanks. It was just the right time. Just, just as well as another fancy kind of, but, um, because whatever, um, however, by the way, that's a fancy, but 
Another one that I've seen often is one says, oh, you look awesome today. And people say, oh, not this thing. Or, oh, no, I'm, that's fouling off to the side. So you are negating the energy of a compliment if it comes towards you. And that is linked with imposter syndrome because you aren't focusing on what other people reflect that's great about you. You're only seeing the negative. So just say, if I said out loud to you, name three things in your mind which are strengths or positivity about you or which you are awesome at. What would they be? Just three things. Now, by the way, you could pause me right now if you wanted to write down your three things. If not, just keep going. Because once you've got that, what I want you to do is imagine now that I've got a luxury magic wand right now. And I'm going to capture all the positive feedback that's ever been said about you by family, by friends, by clients, by peers, anybody in your industry, anyone ever. Right. And I can capture all that. I can just wave my magic wand. And I'm going to capture it all. How amazing would that feel? <laughs> How amazing would that feel to be able to step into that energy of all of those comments? So I want you to think back to a time when people have said nice comments about you, either when you've met them in person or on your social media feed. Maybe someone pays you a compliment and you don't thank them in your response or email. And what I actually want you to do is have some kind of container where you can go to when you're feeling like imposter syndrome is starting to creep, creep in, that you can go to for evidentiary proof why you are awesome from an external source. So that might be like something like, I have one called a smile file in my email folder. So literally it is labeled smile file. And myself and my team go in and put anything like that into my smile file. You can do it, screenshot it, set up your own album on your phone called smile file then anytime someone says something that's really positive or just mildly positive even, screenshot it and put it in your smile file. So one of the questions I get asked many times is how do you pick yourself up when something negative happens? Or what do you do if you don't get a visualization you desire? That happens a lot with the work that I do with people when we're trying to define their legacy that they want to create their desired life. Um, and people say, well, what happens if I put it on my vision board and it hasn't happened. Or you hit a bump in the road. So it's kind of happened, but not in the way that you wanted it to. So you get the point. Basically, you, you wanted something, but it hasn't happened. What do you do around this? Well, my answer is always to normally do a reframe because we can't control what happens to us. What we can do is control how we react in any situation. And this was very topical for me right now because I was supposed to be going on holiday a couple of weeks ago. And there was a long story short around COVID that I wasn't legally allowed to go on the plane. Now, I was in no way in control of whether I could or couldn't get on that plane. It was an external source that was legally telling me what I could do. So I couldn't control that, but I could definitely control how I reacted in the situation. And in that situation, I could have gone into imposter syndrome, not feeling like a fraud, but saying, oh, why does these things all happen to me? It's very easy to kind of go into that kind of victim mentality. What I chose to do is to move through it very quickly. And it was like a grieving process because I was disappointed because I wanted to do something. So you have to move through these things and we can all do that. You right now listening to me, you can choose how you react in any situation, even if you can't control what's happening. 
So you can control your internal world. And that is the basis of handling imposter syndrome. Because to be working on imposter syndrome and self-doubt is to focus on self-mastery. As well as, and it's linked because you're here listening to me, as business mastery, but self-mastery and business mastery is intertwined. You can't separate the two. And by building up this bank of evidence that you are going to do in different smile files, you are changing your internal world. You are giving yourself tools right now because it's like mounting a defense in court. So when your imposter syndrome comes up, you can go to your smile file. You can remember that story that I just told you about getting on a plane that says, I can't control what happens to me, but you can control your internal world. And then you can get to work. So ask yourself at any time when imposter syndrome comes, what's the question you're going to ask yourself? How would I like to be in this situation? Yeah, there's a powerful, it's a powerful question, isn't it? I can, I can, I know you can feel the power of that question. We're going to do a little bit of role play as well. And whilst I'm kind of doing role play, you're going to do this on your own. It will change if you are self-employed, if you are an entrepreneur, um, if you've got a team or if you're a freelancer, or if you're still employed. If you are self-employed, a business owner or a freelancer, I want you to think about a client or a customer. If you're employed, potentially think about your boss or a customer or a client again, and it might work really well with your boss. I want you to think about, for whatever your situation is right now, imagine that you're going to switch places in this role play. So if you are self-employed, business owner, or freelancer, be a client. Be a client right now. And argue why they hired you because they hired you for a very specific reason. So why did this client hire you? If you can't write why you are awesome from your perspective, write it from your clients because anytime you've had a person who's paid you even a nominal amount, there was a reason they hired you. So you have to find the reason why. You're not gonna be able to tell me I don't know why because there has to be a reason. You have to be able to connect with why that person paid you some money. Look, the, pre the premise is really simple here know thy worth and the more that you don't know your worth but you can kind of start connecting from a client's perspective of what your worth is the easier you will find business to be because imposter syndrome is one of the biggest things that will kick you in the ass when it comes to pricing because if you feel like a fraud if you feel like you're waiting to be called out you are probably undercharging because you haven't got the confidence to raise your rates and this is why imposter syndrome can be so catastrophic in business when it comes to running your business. Because if you are undercharging, then you do not have great margins. If you do not have great margins, you might be likely to burn out because you are doing so many hours. You may be not able to hire because you don't have the margins. You may not be able to do pro bono work or give back because you are taking on so many clients because you are undercharging. Woo! Hey, could you feel the power of that? I know I could. I feel like that's part of my subconscious mind I might have been talking to there. And that's the thing as a master coach of which I am. When we're giving away our power, when you aren't looking internally and you become disenfranchised by how awesome and amazing that you are, you've given away your control. And when we take back control of imposter syndrome, of self-doubt and of our mind, Ah, oh, the world changes. 
No, no, depending how old you are and depending how long you've been running imposter syndrome, it could be a little journey because that imposter syndrome has become a bit of your friend to you. It's like a comfortable habit that you don't want. You just do it now. But that's where we start taking back the control. Now, by the way, for some reason, if you fast forwarded to here, to Wielding Legacy, and you're here with me, and you you maybe don't know a little bit more about me, LPS, Laura Payne Stanley, I'm an eccentric British lady. I'm going to use my eccentricities right now, because I'm going to pretend that you and I are in an elevator. We're in Willy Wonka's elevator, actually. So whether you, which movie or book you've read, imagine this amazing, fabulous elevator lift for the UK people. So we're going into the elevator and we're going to go back in time. You're going to go back at least five years. And imagine now that you have taken back your control of imposter syndrome. That's completely managed. It doesn't impact you negatively in your business. So if you've done this work, this conversation happened five years ago. We were in our elevator. We're back five years. What would you have done differently? Because there's no imposter syndrome right now and it's not raging. How would you have run your business differently? Is there opportunities you would have done differently? Is your pricing different? In other fancy words, coaching terms, what would you have done differently if you didn't have imposter syndrome in the last five years? Have an explore, have a look around. Think back going, all of those big opportunities, challenges, decisions in the last five years, what would you have done differently if there was no imposter syndrome, if there was no self-doubt, if you just knew that you are 100% amazingly the person you were meant to be. Yes, yes, yes. Now, whatever those things are just kind of dancing around the edge of what you're thinking, those. Because <laughs> you can kind of see some of my whimsy side coming out now when I do visualizations. Because the whimsy part is light relief. Because when we do deeper level mindset work about taking back control, about positive vibrations, etc., and I do things like this as well, it can be intense. And when we're creating lifelong transformational change, which is exactly what you are doing right now. Oof. So let's make it fun. Because when you do this, you're in the driving seat. Yeah, hell yes, hell yes, you want to be in the driving seat. Of course you do. Why would you not? But there is a trade-off here. Because when we look to make big changes and releasing imposter syndrome, being feeling like a fraud and self-doubt is a huge change. We need to look at what payoff or gain you might lose if you do manage your imposter. So don't get me wrong, there are huge benefits of having a new behavior, so not letting imposter syndrome run your life, but, um, or however is my fancy but, if we only focus on the sweetness and roses, you may underestimate how attached we actually are to our current behaviors. They're saying it's that kind of a comfy habit that you don't want to do anymore. You see, every behavior, no matter how destructive or even how annoying it may seem to you, has a secondary purpose or secondary gain. For example, if imposter syndrome, um, they can have it with your friends and family. If they know that you aren't likely to take compliments, they may not tell you about your value or your worth. Okay. Some people, those closest to you, they've adapted to your behavior. So 
by keeping imposter syndrome, you are not disrupting the status quo because your friends and the family might go, I don't give compliments. I'm not gonna ask about these things. And the kind of the harmony of the tribe works really well. Now, as soon as you would to release imposter syndrome and you might act differently, they might give you a compliment and you might take it. You might give out more compliments. You might be a little bit more confident. The harmony of your tribe could be disrupted. And that disruption could be a reason why you are keeping your imposter syndrome. Specifically, if all your friends and family have it too. Because we go back to tribe, tribe um, behavior here, we go back to my saber-toothed tiger days, that we want to stay safe, safe, sorry. And if our friends and family and peers and those closest to us also experience imposter syndrome, it becomes unsafe for us to go, no, I don't have that anymore, I'm confident. So that's an example of actually the negative gain of keeping it. You're safe, you've got friends, you've got family, you're not changing the status quo. Another example of imposter syndrome when it's not managed is you could be setting the bar really low for your expectations or your goals, or even with money. So I see this when people are doing launches or they're launching a new program or a service. When we do good, better, best goals, they will set really, really low goals because then they can't feel like a fraud or they don't want to feel like a fraud if they don't hit a goal. And that you could say to yourself, well, that seems fine. They're just kind of protecting themselves and they are, but what is it stopping them doing? They're not dreaming big. They're not telling you the numbers they actually want or you know that value, that, that revenue they want to bring in from a product or a service because they're scared of it. And they can also be scared of it from the, other, the flip side because what if they smash their goals? What if suddenly by not having an imposter, they now have the best launch or product or month in revenue and profit they've ever had. What do they do now? And for some people that's called fear of success, not fear of failure, it's fear of success. So that fear of success could be keeping their imposter syndrome around. So is it keeping yours around? Are you keeping your imposter syndrome around because it actually stops you being successful because you are terrified of having the success that you crave and what that would mean for you? I'm just going to leave that one right there. Because what I'm going to talk to you about next is taking your imposter out into the real world. Because some of the internal work is great in theory, but it needs to breathe. It needs to be exercised. It needs to be tried. It needs to be modeled. Because when you then use this in the real world, that's where the challenges happen. Because we need that confidence boost. We need that internal evidence that... Oof, I've got rid of my imposter syndrome, it's okay. Things are changing. Because imposter syndrome and confidence are yin and yang, they kind of go together. You can't really separate the two. And it's, it's really your blend, let's say, of which one's more dominant. So if your imposter is more dominant, you may not be showing up in the world as though you want to. And because I know we've spent a little bit of time together in this episode, and I know that you trust me, we're going to step things up a gear. And I'm going to take one of my loving, graceful, sideways paths right now. Because I'm going to ask you, when did you first remember thinking that other people were better than you? When did you first remember thinking that you weren't good enough? And again, some people, you might be listening to this podcast in one go, or you might be pressing pause. Press pause right now if you want to. 
And I'm just going to take a little beat, even if you don't want to press pause. Know that I'm still here with you. Because you might have connected with something. Because when we go back to root cause, when you can remember when first something first happened, that other people were better than you, or when you felt inadequate, or when, when you just remember feeling less than, what popped into you right then? Now, my advice is to go with your gut. Don't trust your big old conscious mind brain because it's going to try and give you false reads. Go with your gut. Go with that thing that you may be a little bit even scared to say or acknowledge or tap into. That's what it is. And if nothing happens, just listen to the question. When can you first remember thinking that other people were better than you? Well, when were you told? So for some people, it's not even a feeling. There's an experience that they were told that other people by a parent, a primary carer, a teacher, somebody else, that other people were better than them. Now, this is deep internal transformation work. So be kind to yourself, connect with whatever's coming up for you. And knowing that to take control, we take control going backwards slightly to go forwards. Now, uh, I didn't leave you in your Willy Wonka elevator. You were kind of up there, but we kind of came back again. I just didn't tell you that, but we're off again. Okay. So imagine the elevator came back and we're off. And this time we're going to go back a bit further into our Willy Wonka time, time machine. And I want you to connect with a younger version of yourself. A younger version of yourself that needed to hear something that they never heard. When they were feeling less than when they were feeling that they weren't good enough. If there was one piece of advice that you could kneel down, put your arm around your younger self and say to you, what would it be? What do you need to see or hear or feel that in that moment you didn't and your imposter was almost born in other words what gift of advice would you give to the younger you now this is a extremely powerful place to start to look for the answers within and i remember when i did this for the first time I had tears, I had snot rockets, I had panda eyes, so I was not wearing waterproof mascara. I was in a group setting in person. It was like dripping off my chin. Um, it was not a, it was a hot mess going on right then as I was doing this work. So whatever's going on for you right now, just stay with it. Knowing that you can come back in that elevator at any point in time that you want to into the present moment. And I'll share a little secret with you my friend, because I know when I did this work, my life changed and my business changed. So if you feel that the imposter syndrome is still dominant in your decision-making and how you show up in the world, then why don't you listen to this episode of Wielding Legacy again? Because I want to thank you for being here with me today on Wielding Legacy podcast is the key to unlocking your future lies and legacies. If you know someone who would benefit from listening to Wielding Legacy, send them to laurapainstanley.com to sign up. 
And when you're ready to explore your legacy, your success and your impact on the world, here are ways you can start the journey. So BeBoost is an amazing virtual six-day event with me in November where you will leave with you, your profits and your business completely boosted. The next way we can start on our journey is with me as your trusted advisor, combined with a small peer group in the Ultima project. Do you want to become unstoppable? That one starts in October with bonus calls starting soon.